You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Menagerie of many menaces, manifesting manifestos about manicotties. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 242. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your serious cerebrums serenading sermons about serotonin and serpents at your service. I am Colin. And I'm Chris. Well, I guess we should kick things off with our errors and omissions segment. Um, actually, thank you, disembodied voice of former co-host yeah. Dana. We miss you. <laughs> we miss you. We can't replace her. We can't replace that that performance, that delivery. She gets thirty five cents every time we play that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does, and that's like largely what we make off this podcast. So we're really in the, we're in the red now. Um, yeah. But yes, I do have an um actually pertaining to the precise manner in which I was assaulted by a rooster. You may remember (laughs) on our episode, uh, Good Morning Brian, um, we uh, talked about various things that happened in the... No, 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 no. I'm just saying that. We talked about various things that occur in the morning. I talked about roosters. As an aside, I mentioned that as a youth, I was once uh, man ha- rooster handled uh, by a uh, <laughs> man by a rooster, manhandled <laughs> by a rooster. When I uh, walked into a place on a on a farm at a summer camp that I shouldn't have been, the rooster uh, came at me, and uh, I turned around and started running. But I started getting attacked. Uh, in the backs of my calves by the rooster who, and I said on the show that the rooster pecked me out of the, out of the gate of the farm, which I believed until now was what had happened to me (laughs) until the other day when listener uh, Kevin Flout, who is a, uh, some sort of chicken man, he seems to own uh, or hang around with roosters and chickens. He showed us a picture of his uh, rooster, Harold, overseas hens who have names such as Ruth Feather Ginsbeak uh, and Chicken Minaj. Minaj. Um, and he let me know that, um, actually, while validating my trauma, Kevin let me know that, quote, having been in many, many fights with roosters, it's not the pecking that hurts, it's the spur. Because mm. roosters do not oh, on their legs. You attack you. What they do, yes, they grab onto you with their beak and then, Kevin writes, hammer the crap out of you with the big, sharp back. <laughs> claw often flapping their wings to stabilize and kevin said this and i thought yes that's right that is part of the nightmares because the because so i'm not looking back to see what's happening back there but i do absolutely remember the rooster was flapping its wings you know and as it turns out yes it was probably trying to grab onto my jeans flapping its wings to to get its feet up so that it could poke me with its back <laughs> claw, and I and bet hurt you the most. That was yeah, you know. It did. It's like I had bruises, but I was not. He never broke the skin or anything, so oh, it's entirely possible that maybe they kept the. Um, Kevin says here that the the nails they are very dense and hurt really badly. So I'm guessing maybe they kept it, uh, Shave it off. you know, flip or yeah, not sharp or not long. <laughs> Capped. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, yes, now I know, thank you, Kevin, uh, a lot more about the method of attack that was perpetrated on my body. So I appreciate that in a sense. (laughs) And that and that concludes this uh, this episode's uh, um, actually. Wow. So they they attack mid flight. Well, yeah, well, he, yeah, he's probably getting himself up into the air a little bit so he can get that leg under and flap the wings to, you know. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't fall back on yeah. his, you know, back and look silly or anything. Well, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't want yeah. him to get hurt when he was assaulting yeah. a defenseless child. Without further ado, let's <laughs> jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Okay, here I have a random Trivial Pursuit card. Get your barnyard buzzers ready. 
Here we go. Let's answer some questions. Blue Edge, what is the name of Earth's most recent supercontinent, which formed about 270 million years ago? Hmm. Chris. Pangea. <laughs> it is Pangea. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pink Wedge for pop culture. Ooh, as a teen, Justin Timberlake appeared on which two shows that showcased his singing and dancing abilities? Oh my gosh, as a two shows. Well, I, maybe we do this as a tag team here. I, I, I believe one, Mickey Mouse Club, which I think was one. But it is called the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, uh, is the official title. Okay. How about, okay, how about this? Are you ready? Here we go. Star Search. Correct. Oh, good one. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Next question, Yellow Wedge. Pope Francis was born in which South American city? Oh, gosh. Colin. Uh, Buenos Aires. Correct. Argentinian oh, okay. Buenos okay. Aires. Great. Purple Wedge. Oh, man. To which school did William Faulkner bequeath a majority of his manuscripts and personal papers at the time of his death? Hmm. To which school did he bequeath? Okay. Well, I mean, associate him. I mean, it's either where he went to school or where he died, right? I mean, (laughs) it's, yeah. Where do you you associate him with? The South? I mean, maybe. I think like the South-South. I don't know. Really? We're, uh, we're just stalling uh, for time. Uh, L- really, uh, LSU. LSU. <laughs> oh, Colin, uh, William and Mary? Uh, University of Virginia. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Yeah, okay. I guess that makes right. sense. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, we're close. Yeah, we're UVA. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Makes sense. I love it when you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Green Wedge for Science and Nature. After Jupiter, <laughs> what is the second largest planet? Oh, gosh. Solar system. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm right. Is it Saturn? Yes, it is. Okay, okay, all right. Saturn. Okay, okay, okay. Last question, Orange Wedge. Which MMA fighter appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, Sporting Body Paint? Wow. Oh, jeez. Um, MMA fighter, body is- Okay, Chris. Okay. Chris. Ronda Rousey? Correct, Ronda Good Rousey. Guess. I'm yeah, like, M- like, MMA fighters that I can yeah. think of. Yeah. One. <laughs> Oh, speaking, I mean, this is MMA adjacent. Um, I just read a, a wrestling fact that John Cena has broken the record of completing the most Make-A-Wish oh, wishes. I saw that. Several hundred, right? I mean, a lot. <laughs> 650 wishes. Wow. I remember reading that about him at one point, that he was absolutely just committed, <laughs> did, 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 many, did as many of them as he could. But it also means that he's of high demand. Sure. Do you, do you know why? I mean? right, like, right, like right. a lot of kids want to meet him. Yeah, probably the most famous person to have read my book. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which book? Power Up. Whoa! Why did day. he read that book? Because I, I gave it to him at a, at a it's a at, good book, Karen. At, at an E three, oh, and then quiet. and then the next time the next time I interviewed him at E three like two thousand and five, I was like, oh, I wrote that book about Japanese video games. I had somebody give it to you. He's like, oh, Power Up. Yeah, I read it on the airplane. <laughs> oh, that's great! Oh, yeah. My God. He wasn't even WWE champion then yet. I mean, he was he was mid tier enough to be like giving interviews to people at the E at E three about video games. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was right. the very beginning of his career. Super nice though. Wild. That's wild. Yeah. Well, this past week, I uh, I tuned into a live stream of something smashing into something else, and it was absolutely <laughs> riveting uh, because of where it happened and how long it's been in the works. Uh, on September 26th, uh, NASA successfully smashed a spaceship into an asteroid. NASA, we sent, yeah, like I was on the team, we, we sent on purpose a spacecraft out into space on a collision course with an asteroid named Dimorphos, pretty sweet name, by the way. And the goal was to crash this thing into the asteroid and see what happens. I mean, it's just the best kind of science. It's just the absolute best, in my opinion, kind of science. The idea being if an asteroid was ever coming towards Earth and we needed to divert it, it's like we were testing out the idea of like, can we potentially smash a spaceship into an asteroid to divert it and 
Yeah, see what see what happens. Chris, Chris is correct. When you write up these proposals at NASA, you want to move it up the chain. You can't just say we want to smash it into a rock and see what happens. You got to come up with you know a good story like oh we we want to see if it's feasible to divert the path of an asteroid that might be threatening all humanity. Okay, yeah, sure. exactly. yeah, it's that's marketing. That's just the spin. Yeah, it, it honestly it really is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. They had a camera on it was called the dart the d-a-r-t the dart spacecraft and it was you know live streaming essentially it's it's fatal descent you know down onto the asteroid dimorphos it wasn't like a smooth video it was maybe one frame every i don't know a few seconds but it was you see it it's this little speck and then you know they have like a a, like a a, you know a countdown i like to estimate an impact and it's getting closer and closer and closer and then you like we can see up close like this like it's you know it's a collection of rocks it's not just like this kind of you know amorphous blob and then yeah you know the feed cut out because it smashed into the asteroid yeah <laughs> a, a, 11 million kilometers from earth they just they nailed it so i mean the goal is to see yeah how, how much can we deviate it from its course because we know what course it would have taken otherwise it's a well-charted asteroid yeah no expensive property on it no one's gonna sue them you know we'll see what the results are here <laughs> Uh, and if indeed it is feasible to smash an asteroid out of the uh, the uh, trajectory of hitting Earth, that seemed like a really good inspiration for an episode. Woo! We like smashing things. So this week we're crashing the party. I'll start things off. Oh no! Two words have crashed into each other. I made a quiz all about portmanteau company mm-hmm. names or brand names. Mm-hmm. And portmanteau words are two words smashed together. <laughs> Little bits of each word smushed together into a new word. So for example, Pokemon, <laughs> Pocket, mm-hmm. Monster. So here we go. I'm going to give you the brand name. All right. And mm-hmm. I need you to buzz in and tell me what two words make up that name. Okay. Some of them you might not even know that they're portmanteaus. So let's mm-hmm. see. We're going to go easy to hard. Mm-hmm. Nice. First one the dried fruit treat, Crazen. Chris. Cranberry and raisin. Correct. Mm. All right. Box meal, Riceroni. Ooh. Uh, huh. Colin. Uh, rice and macaroni? Correct. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> way overthinking yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought about that, but yeah. It's literally, yeah, rice and then pieces of pasta. <laughs> I guess macaroni. Um, it's the San Francisco treat, Karen. It is. It is, truly. Um, we eat, if you're not from San Francisco, you should know we eat that all the time. <laughs> like, at least like two, three times a week. Yeah. <laughs> The streaming service, Netflix. Chris. Internet and Flick. Correct. Flick. <laughs> okay. I'm not, see, I'm not psyching myself out anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I learned my lesson with rice All right. Inspiration website, Pinterest. Hmm. Oh, okay. Pin and hmm. interest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pinboard. Yeah, I was oh, going to say pinboard. Pinboard. Oh, yeah. pinboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, then I... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Frozen treat brand Popsicle. Oh. Uh, oh. No. Colin. Uh, lollipop Icicle. You know, it's Pop Soda <laughs> oh. and, and Icicle. Pop oh, soda. really? Yeah. Yeah. Pop Soda oh. Icicle. The online directory website Yelp. Hmm. Yelp. Yelp. Uh, huh. Okay. 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 <laughs> Colin. Uh, yell and help. Oh, if you, help is right. Okay. It's how a- about how about is it yellow pages and uh, help? Yes. Really? Yellow pages and help. It wow, just okay. very conveniently turned into Yelp, which is a real word. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cable giant Comcast. Oh. All right, Chris. Communication and broadcast. Yes, oh. very good. You know, it could be like community. Could be you know, but oh, okay. it's, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, 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 computer communication <laughs> broadcast. All right, mm. wheat cracker Triscuit. 
Oh, gosh. Oh, we've talked about this. There's a good yeah. story about this, yeah. There is, oh, and I forget man. it. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, tray. What's the tray? What was it? Oh, my gosh. We talk, it's, it's the, the biscuit. Biscuit ah. is right. What's yeah. the tray? Ah. It's a reference to how it's made. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it, it is. is made because of electricity. Ah, oh, that's right. right. It's electric that's biscuit. right. Electric, electric biscuit. biscuit. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Back then, it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was a very big selling point. The fact that they're based in like Niagara Falls. So they use that's right. They use the power oh to yeah create uh, the energy or create electricity to produce the biscuit. I have to remember that. Right. Biscuit stands for electric biscuit. Yeah, it is not three types of wheat, three types <laughs> yeah. of whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. not tri is in three. All right. Electric biscuit. Yep. Japanese streetwear brand Bape. Chris. <laughs> bathing Ape. Yes, mm. Bathing Ape. Do you know what that is a reference to and why wh- what's what's a bathing ape? I have no idea. It comes from a, a Japanese saying about a ape bathes in lukewarm water. And it's huh. a phrase to refer to the rich young Japanese youth who tend to be like lazy and kind of <laughs> indulgent. Oh, uh, funny. All right. Wow. Last one. This blew my mind. Oh, jeez. The dairy alternative, silk. <sighs> Chris. Oh. So it's not soy milk? It is soy milk. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Wait, did you you're, guys know that? You're my, yeah, I, it's soy I, milk. Right when you said it, I kind of put it together. I never yeah. really thought about it, but yeah, my I wife mean, buys it. Product I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Soy right. milk. I, yeah. I was, I, but I never, honestly, I, I, I did not know it was a portmanteau. I really, until you just said it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I thought oh. it was like, oh, the texture is silky. Yeah. Silk. It works. It's a, it's like Yelp, where where it it really just fits and kind of works. But sure. yeah, 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 yeah. That is a good one. I didn't know that. Well, good job, you guys. Woo. Those are two words crashing together to make these company names. Nice. Crash. I had <laughs> I. <laughs> uh, what's the dumbest car crash that you guys have been involved in ever? I mean, like, I don't want to hear about involved an injury. In. Yeah, maybe you were driving, maybe you were a passenger. I don't know. I know I know that both of you got driver's licenses relatively late in life, right? Uh, <laughs> you mean one of us. You still haven't gotten your driver's license, No, Karen? I have well, uh. I have a learner's permit. Okay, all right, all right. I'll tell you guys about the silliest, kind of just the dumbest car crash I've ever been. It was kind of like, you know, they say sometimes like, oh, you know, everything was happening in slow motion. And I really had a slow motion car crash. Uh, This was when I was in college uh, driving with my friend uh, and friend of the show, Jay. We were driving to a storage unit way on the outskirts of Berkeley here. And it was in the part of town where the roads were actually... I mean, Berkeley's, you know, a pretty modern city, but there were some dirt gravel roads here in the part of the town that we were in. And so Jay and I were going down the road uh, in my 1986 Camry, my my old little beater, and not going very fast. We were going like maybe 25 miles an hour. And we saw up ahead a car coming perpendicular from a little side road onto this side gravel road. And as we're approaching the intersection, you know, we have the right of way. There's a stop sign on this other car. And we're driving and Jay and I, we both kind of look at each other and like, she's not going to stop, is she? I said, I should probably brake. So I put my foot on the brake and, but the car being on a gravel road just kept on sliding, you know, even though we're not going all that fast, 25, maybe 30 miles an hour. And the car just kept on sliding. And this other car pulled out in front of us, not even looking at us, totally unaware. I remember it was just a big Volvo station wagon. And I looked at Jay and I said, we're going to hit her, aren't we? He's like, yeah, I think so. And, (laughs) you know, just, it was, yeah, all, you had so much time to process it. It didn't, there was no, nothing traumatic. Like, I don't even think I was breathing fast. It just went from like, oh, we're going to, we're about to hit her too. Yep. Here we go. And sure enough, the car just kind of sort of slowly came to a stop in the side of this woman's car door. It was, I mean, it was a slow motion T-bone basically which sounds like a wrestling move, but everyone was fine. Most importantly, my car was fine. There was a dent in this woman's car door, but she was fine. Her passenger was fine. And we all got out after I backed my car up from being in her car and 
She's like, I'm sorry. I wasn't looking. I said, it's okay. I kind of saw you. I tried to stop. I'm sorry. So we all just said we're sorry and just sort of went on our separate ways. Mm, yeah. So that was my silliest car crash. Okay. I know. I, you know what? I don't have stories like this because I only really got my driver's license a couple of years ago. So I only have one story so far, which is I was at the flea market, of course, and uh, waiting to pull out of the parking lot. And one of the ladies that like sells stuff at the flea market who has this massive white you know van you know what i mean with the the back windows are all covered in stuff she has no visibility whatsoever oh. she's waiting to pull out on the road i'm waiting behind her for some reason i still do not understand she decides having no visibility at all that she needs to start backing up, backing up. and she starts backing up and i have enough time to be like she's backing up she's gonna keep backing up I lean on and I lean on the horn because it's all I can do. I'm like, honk, smash. She smashes right into me and, you know, slowly smashes into the front of my car. I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. And I, you know, get out of the car and she knocked the front license plate off of the <gasps> minivan um, and other, you know, and scraped up the front bumper, but otherwise there was no damage. And she gets out of the car. It's again, it's a lady who sells not even, she doesn't even have a space in the actual flea market. She's just like <laughs> selling stuff out, out on the other side of the fence on the street. <laughs> and she's like, okay, so, uh, you know, it's an old lady. She's like, and she's just like, so um, the, this car is not insured and I don't have a driver's license. So <gasps> do, do you want to call the police on me? And I'm like... <laughs> No, I don't want to call the police on you. And I took my license plate and put it in the car and sent her. I'm just like, what is going to happen here? You know what I mean? I'm not getting any money. You know, it's like, so I'm like, okay, bye. No, I mean, she's lucky she didn't hit a person because there's people walking all throughout this parking lot and vendors and people carrying stuff and. Oh, I couldn't even believe it. But that's the one time so far that anything happened to me in a car. Anyway. So knowing our love of historical details and uh, internet rabbit holes, I wanted to research what was the first car crash. Oh. Had to be the first one. Didn't exist forever. Love it. So I I thought I could figure out what is the first car crash. Got some books out. Went on the internet. You know, going into it. I, I sort of thought, all right, you know, this might, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like this, this might be one of those rabbit holes where the stories you find maybe contradict each other yeah. or maybe there's a single source or just hard to track down or verify or just a lot of um actuallys or things like that. So I was prepared for that a little bit. What I was not expecting to be faced with uh, are some very foundational existential questions like, what is a car? <laughs> and what, what, that's true you have to sure. quantify that before you get oh, the first car yeah, and then, right, right and then what is a crash you know is mm-hmm. it how do you what do you define a crash you gotta you gotta really put these things into mm-hmm. concrete terms here so yeah how how would you guys <laughs> define a car what are your right. minimal requirements to be considered a car so it's like it's a it's a horseless carriage. It's a four wheel, four wheel, um, you know, uh, 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 sort of a buggy shape sort of thing that holds like at least you and like some other stuff. Like it can't be like a motorbike engine mm. has to have an engine. It has to be, an engine. It has to be self-propelled. And that you can steer and control. Mm, it's not just mm. not just like like a like a parade float or something. Yeah, right, 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 right. or just like you know a log flume or you know a, a rocket <laughs> or you know right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you you guys you guys kind of yeah came up with sort of the same. Here's what I came up with: like it's got to be ground based conveyance, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, it's got to specify like a ground based conveyance. Got to be self powered, right? Yeah, it's not being pulled by a horse or relying on gravity uh, it's got to be capable of transporting i think at least one adult human right it can't be like mm-hmm. the size Specify of a adult. newborn right or you yeah, know yeah, yeah. A, you know a grown cat or something right uh <laughs> over a non-trivial distance i feel oh. like that's important too like okay, it's gotta okay, you know yeah. what i mean like it's gotta be functional in some way and and karen as you said i feel like it's got to have some steering mechanism and 
at best acceleration and braking, but at the minimum, <laughs> at the minimum, like stop and start, right? And like that's that's kind of what I came up with. It's interesting that you guys said number of wheels. I didn't even think about that, but oh. uh, you're right. You're right. I feel like it's got to have more than two at least. I don't know about four, yeah. but certainly more than yeah. two. Yeah. Right. If you research books, wherever internet, whatever your source <laughs> is on the the first car, you'll you'll see a lot of. The, the same names coming up. Big name, you will see a lot, often credited with the first proper automobile, Carl Benz. Benz, of course, whose namesake company, companies, hugely successful, still continue today in the Mercedes-Benz brand, uh, a division of Daimler. Also a very big name from the early days, Gottlieb Daimler. Mm-hmm. In fact, Carl Benz and Gottlieb Daimler almost at virtually the same time, in virtually the same place, invented a candidate for a first automobile. Um, Carl Benz usually gets the credit in most most authoritative sources. will will credit it to the Benz patent motor wagon uh, or patent motor car, basically. Uh, 1886, it was commercially viable, self-powered. Uh, it was really kind of just like a motorized tricycle. It had three wheels. It has three wheels, oh. n- uh, notably gas-powered engine, but yep, that's a car. And so a lot of people will list that as as the first sort of proper automobile. But I came across in, in almost every source, everyone talked about a, a much earlier invention uh, as perhaps a candidate for first automobile uh, invented by Nicolas Joseph Cuneau, uh, he was a captain in the French army, uh, and in the mid to late 1700s, all right, okay, late, late 1760s, early 1770s, he invented the first working, self-propelled, ground-based, <laughs> wheeled vehicle, okay? And I'll give you some okay. more details about it in a minute. Now, he called it, the in French, uh, he called it the, the Fardier à Vapeur. Uh, or in English, a, a steam-powered dray. Have you guys heard this Ooh. word before? I, I no. uh, it's, an, it's an old-timey word. D R A Y, a dray. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a dray is like like a, a flatbed cart or a flatbed trolley or okay, like an open-sided okay. truck. They would use drays a lot, you know, for hauling things around or you know, in the military oh, okay. in particular. And so he had the steam dray. Right. Okay. We don't, yeah, we don't use the word uh, too much anymore. You might say we <sighs> forgot about Dre. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Captain, <laughs> Captain, Captain Cuno uh, invented the, the steam Dre and his goal in the army was in particular to haul around uh, cannons. Heavy. And, that's right. Big and heavy. And you got to, you know, take them from place to place when you're when you're fighting your battles. And, you know, most of the time uh, up to that point, you'd hook up, you'd hook them up to your horses and you're good to go. Just drag them off. But he said, no, there's got to be a better way in French, probably. And by <laughs> by 1770, he had full scale working prototypes of, of his steam tray working. This thing was it was huge, super heavy, yeah. many tons. Uh, it had to carry many tons of equipment, right? I mean, so it makes sense. This is big giant thing. Uh, it had a big steam boiler engine on oh the, God. on the apparatus. It was hooked up to a, a piston driven mechanism. And <laughs> it was essentially just like a giant ratchet mechanism. So the, the steam engine drove the piston and the piston kind of ratcheted forward the drive wheel, uh, which sort of just, <laughs> it lurched along. And It's like in an old Mickey Mouse cartoon. It, you can go online and there, there are more than one hobbyist and, and historical recreationist versions of, of the uh, the steam dray, including some of Kuno's original prototypes. Well, are they um, tricked out? I, tricked out, I mean, by the standards of 17 70 maybe oh, okay. I mean, not, you know you're not right. going to see okay, it yeah, yeah. Cre- no not like pimp my pimp my steam dray um <laughs> it it sounds like yeah it moved at the absolutely blistering pace of two to three miles an hour oh my gosh. and it was very hard to steer extremely hard to steer <laughs> poor traction turned out you know hey who would have guessed the steam powered wheel uh maybe not as good as horses and traction on top of that, apparently you had to stop it approximately uh, once every 15 minutes to get the fire going again and get a good head of steam built up again. So, And then it took a lot to get up to speed. So it's like, start the steam, get up to your two and a half miles an hour, cruise for 15 minutes, 
<laughs> struggling to steer this thing and then start the process all over again. Um, ultimately, the French army gave up on it. They 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 decided that you know oh, they're like, kind this of is you terrible. know yeah thank you this is not really worth the, uh, the investment. <laughs> thanks but um, no thanks. So remember how I said this thing is big and I said it's heavy and I said it's hard to steer. Now it has a driver, okay. And it could also carry passengers. I still, I, I still feel like it has to be essentially a, a product that was designed to replace the horseless carriage, like mm. on the on the street, basically. I, or I'm, to, I'm on to your side. A horse drawn carriage. Yeah. yeah, a civilian invention. Yeah. This is right. not an everyday thing. I'm right. inclined to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a military vehicle that you could ride on, but that doesn't make it a car in my mind necessarily. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. In 1771, uh, one of Kuno's early prototypes, they were out for a run, uh, you know, putting putting the uh, steam dray through the paces. And mm-hmm. uh, depending on the reports, it, uh, it, <laughs> by some manner, it lost control. And at the stately pace of two and a half miles per hour, it knocked <laughs> down a garden wall. Yeah, no, I, it is shocking. I know. Yeah, it knocked over just a little stone wall. They, they got out, kind of assessed the damage and said, yeah, yeah, sorry, we knocked down that wall. That's a shame. Yeah. Uh, and this is what some people will credit as the first the car first crash, car the crash. first yeah. automobile accident. And, and and they didn't have car insurance either. Absolutely not. <laughs> or to a say license. nothing of a license. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you quantify that as a car and if you quantify knocking over a stone garden wall at two and a half miles an hour <laughs> as a crash... That is potentially our best candidate for the first car crash in history. I guess okay. theoretically he said it could do up to five miles an hour, but it sounds like Whoa, it never whoosh. actually reached yeah. that yeah, that that dizzying, dizzying speed of yeah. They just put that on the speedometer to make you feel like uh <laughs> if it's possible more powerful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Few more, uh, perhaps milestone dates here. I'll throw out at you guys that I came across in the course of my research. That that depending on your definition, eh, maybe among the earliest car crashes in 1891, uh, inventor James Lambert mm. possibly had the first car crash in America. Yeah, yeah in USA. America. Yeah, uh, James Lambert, who uh, founded the Lambert Automotive Company. Uh, he, uh, his company produced the Buckeye gasoline buggy, uh, based in Ohio. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Ohio. Mm-hmm. That's right. Hey, hey, that's right. So, you know, birth of the tire industry there too, right? So he, he was out for a joyride, uh, with one of his buddies, uh, in the passenger seat, apparently ran over an exposed tree root, caused him oh. to lose control of the gasoline bump, bump. buggy. Yeah. Bump, 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 crashed into a hitching post. Uh, and nobody seriously hurt here. Just minor injuries, uh. Um, I'm but, sorry, what is, what is a hitching post? For horses, because at this time... Oh. It's a parking spot for horses. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. For everybody else who did not have a gasoline buggy uh, or, a ste- <laughs> we, or a steam tray horse. to traipse around town. And that's right. You had a hitching post. That's right. And you would hitch your horse to it. In 1896, uh, there is a report uh, from New York City and the New York Times... Uh, possibly the first accident involving two people. <laughs> uh, okay, there okay, was a report okay. in New York City on on what is today Broadway report of a horseless wagon race where uh, Henry oh. Wells lost control of his vehicle, crashed into a bicyclist uh, named <laughs> Ebeling Thomas. Now, again, here we're getting into kind of, okay, car hits a bicycle, car crash. Yeah, I guess that counts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Poor Ebling Thomas broke his leg. Uh, Driver was arrested. I will say, I can't can't talk about this without at least mentioning uh, the first fatality in a automotive-related incident. Yeah, and this was actually very early in 1869, uh, in uh, in Ireland, in fact, Mary Ward. She was a, a scientist and a writer from a, a pretty well-to-do family. Actually, she was out, basically out visiting at you know, the family castle, and one of her cousins oh, yeah. who was an inventor and had, in fact, built an automotive device. They all went out for a ride, uh, and, and again, just traveling at just a few miles an hour. I mean, these were not, they were not racing around, but it took a, a bad turn. Basically, she she pitched out of the vehicle, and sad to say, was was 
run over by oh, the wheels man. of the vehicle. Yeah, and and died from In her this injuries. Bootleg there. car. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, you safety don't want... was not a big no, concern, no, nor no, was it I a mean, requirement back then. They, they were not wearing helmets. There was no seatbelts. There was certainly a, no nah, no laws about it. Yeah, I mean, there was an inquest, you know, to kind of see like. Did the driver break any laws? Was there a crime here? I mean, oh, they man. essentially chalked it up as an accidental death, but yeah. you don't want to be this first. But uh, yes, poor Mary Ward was, was by most accounts, the the first death related to a, a car uh, accident. But again, not really a crash, was it? You know, <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no disrespect yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at all. But so the answer that I have for you guys is, it's really kind of how you want to define it. You know, take your pick from these various anecdotes that I, I have reported back to you. Mm, um, yep. What what counts as the first car crash in history. All right. Time for a break and we'll be right back. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles, smart trivia, Good Job Brain. Yeah, okay. Um, my uh, my piece here involves fewer fatalities. Um, so I'm. <laughs> but you didn't I, say I, zero. I'm going to talk about it. I didn't say zero. I didn't say zero. No, it's zero. It's zero. Zero. Uh, I, I want to talk about. Um, Preventing a computer crash, mm. but but maybe not the sort you're thinking of. So okay. a few episodes back in this season, we talked about IBM, and IBM was formerly known as CTR, the Computing Tabulating Recording Company, founded in 1911, making um, like electromechanical, like time clocks, you know, punch mm-hmm. clocks and mm. adding machines and stuff like that. You know, prior to the advent of computers, businesses would use these sorts of what were called unit record machines, like, like you know, gears and cogs and punch pistons and crankshafts and, you know, God knows what else. You wouldn't want to put your hand in one of these, basically. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it was, this is how you were, you know, this is how you would essentially do like fast tabulation of numbers, right? Uh, now in, in 1959, uh, IBM rolls out the 1401. It's a small business computer, about the size of like a, a desk. It's big, <laughs> but it's not. 
but it's not that big. It's not a mainframe. It's, it's not, not a, a wall. It's not the, the vacuum tubes and it takes up a whole room. You know, it's a big piece of furniture, but it's, you can get it into a room. You know, it runs software. It uses transistors. You know, you can write software for it. And essentially it was meant to replace like those electromechanical sort of tabulating machines, you know, for businesses to like do their payroll or do sales data, stuff like that. So the IBM 1401 was quite successful right off the bat. They got 5,000 orders in five weeks. And the 1401 is kind of tying it back to cars. The 1401 is known today as the Ford Model T of computers. Like Mm. not in any, it was not the first computer by any way. It means that it was not the first, but it was, it was the first one to be like mass produced, relatively Mm. inexpensive, Mm. very popular. It just got computers out there into these businesses. Within a few years, IBM 1401-style systems would end up making up about half of all the computers in the world. Mm. Wow. Very, very, it was like affordable, mass-produced, popular, and it just made it big. You know, this this is a big, heavy metal device, but inside this computer are a whole bunch of fragile circuit boards with all the transistors on them for all the the programming logic, right? So when these like 5,000 customers, these big businesses, you know, they opened up the crates where the 1401 was in to to take it all out, assemble it and start using it. When they opened up one of the, what had probably a wooden crate or cardboard box or whatever it was, they opened up and they all laid eyes on something that they had never seen before. That was not part of the computer at all. And uh, do you want to guess what it was that they saw? This this <sighs> amazing space age. Oh, I have thing a guess. Is it that they had never seen before? Is it packing peanuts? It is not packing peanuts. It's not packing mm. peanuts. Those actually had been introduced a, just a couple of years earlier mm. to as a synthetic replacement for like packing things in straw or packing things in old right, newspapers, right, right, or horsehair or you know whatever else they were using. But these these circuit boards were wrapped wrap? in bubble wrap. Mm. And in fact, the IBM fourteen hundred one computer is is very tied in with the advent of bubble wrap because it is said to be and apparently was the very first use of bubble wrap to ship a a, a mass-produced product and it is essentially single-handedly credited with putting bubble wrap on the map it looks i mean the bubbles were maybe a little bit bigger than they are today on the sheets with the tiny little bubbles but like but it basically looked like it did today and they're like Hmm. what is this what is this how do we get this (laughs) this is cool so bubble wrap Uh, had been invented just two years earlier, in 1957. And as usual, with these wacky out there inventions, its creators were were trying to create something else. Oh! So (laughs) does anybody (laughs) want to try to guess what bubble wrap was originally supposed, what, what, what what were they trying to actually do? I think this was in episode four of Good Job. Wow. Let me see if I remember. I I feel that it was funky wallpaper. Yes. Correct. Yes. They were trying to create, uh, the the, the inventors, Alfred Fielding and Mark Chavanez, were trying to create an ultra-modern Jetsons (laughs) type, you know, like plastic wallpaper, textured wallpaper. And they had taken two shower curtains and they they heat sealed them together in a way that trapped air in pockets in between them because they wanted like a cool textured wallpaper. Yes. Yep. They called it air cap and people did not want it. Uh, <laughs> they, but they had the stuff and they're like, okay, well, what could we do? They considered using it as insulation for greenhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't really great. It wasn't really a good insulator either. Now, this okay. is what I think is great. This is the American dream stuff right here <laughs> because these guys, by all accounts, did not know what this product could be used for but by god they started manufacturing it and trying to sell it anyways (laughs) like the ultimate fake it till you make it they were calling it air cap the wallpaper no insulation no let's just make it and see if we can sell it to somebody for something and it was they and like two years later like they had established the company it was called sealed air corporation 
And that they they hit on the idea of they went to IBM when they heard about they were going to start shipping out these computers. They were like, oh, hustlers, like, man. Totally. You guys should wrap it in our product, Bubble Wrap, which they renamed <laughs> it to Bubble Wrap. It was a phenomenal shipping material. It was low cost because it was just a couple pieces of plastic heat sealed together. It was lightweight air, mm-hmm. uh, and it added very little to the weight of the package. So mm-hmm. it added, so it subtracted a lot from the cost of having to ship the package, and it works. So they changed the name of AirCap to Bubble Wrap. Now, to this day, Bubble Wrap is a registered trademark. Of wow, the I was going to ask you. you. Uh, yeah, I was just yep. going to ask you. Yeah, and if you look at generic products, it never says Bubble Wrap. It's going to say what? Bubble Roll, Bubble uh. Cushion, <laughs> Bubble Bubble Cushion Wrap Roll, whatever. Like you can have wrap, in the, you just can't say Bubble, not Bubble, bubble wrap. wrap. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. In 1971, Sealed Air Corporation invented uh, the bubble mailer which they called the mail light oh. envelope by gluing some bubble wrap to you know, the inside of it <laughs> yeah, of yeah, and so they invented that too uh now there has been one more sort of major innovation in the field of bubble wrap that i wanted to talk about so have you ever gotten a package and i'm sure you have that had bubble wrap in it where it's like there's bubble wrap but it doesn't have little tiny bubbles. It just has a whole lot of big bubbles, and you can't you can't pop them because if you puncture one of them, they're like in a line with the other oh, bubbles. Oh yes, inflate. What what is the deal with that? What do you guys think that product is? Why does that hmm. exist when when bubble wrap also exists? Why does that yeah. have to exist? Are they used as packaging for something else? And when they're not packaging that stuff, they no. fill it with air. No, it's. I was thinking oh. like condoms, you know, like, like, you know, they have the extra wrappers. If we don't put a condom there, we put air in it. You're kind of, okay. So you're, you're sort of kind of close. So oh. when you get bubble wrap like that with the huge bubbles that are all kind of connected, that is inflatable bubble wrap. That is not sold to people as bubble wrap with the air already in it. It is sold uh. in flat rolls and you buy a machine that inflates it on site uh. on demand. To whatever you need, so it's and that's why it has the channels for, kind of connecting all the. That's the... why it has the channels because it pumps the air in from the sides mm. and it fills the channels. So ah. that's that is something that was inflated, not at the company that sold it to them, but was inflated by the company that sold you the item right before they put it in the box. And it's they fantastic. Pass the savings on to you. <laughs> they do well. Imagine it. The it is somebody I, I saw somewhere. Basically, it's like it. I can't verify this, but it's like. It costs forty times less to to send that to the the, the company that's going to use it than inflated because, because you're just sending a, a flat roll instead of big because you know I mean I've ordered bubble wrap from Amazon it comes in a gigantic box you know yeah because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and you run out of it in like ten seconds because it's yeah bubble wrap obviously is serious business but as you know. <laughs> Once it got out to consumers, we invented a second use for it, which is, of course, popping the bubbles, (laughs) which is extremely fun. All kids love bubble wrap. In fact, in trivia, in 2016, bubble wrap was nominated for, but sadly not inducted into, uh, the National Toy Hall of Fame. Uh... Other, Other Toy Hall of Fame inductees include things like sand. (laughs) <laughs> or like a stick actually is in the toy hall of a fame st- a stick it's it's all it's about things that kids actually play with play. that have like a longevity <laughs> it's not it's not just about celebrating like commercial toys yeah guinness world records uh says the most people popping bubble wrap simultaneously is 2681 achieved by the Denver Area Council Boy Scouts of America USA at the Peaceful Valley Scout Ranch in Elbert, Colorado, USA on 19th of September, 2015. Oh. Um, oh. 2,681 Boy Scouts all popped bubble wrap simultaneously, <laughs> setting the Guinness World Record. And I will also tell you that scientifically verified, popping bubble wrap is a great stress reliever. A oh, 1992 study... It titled Popping Sealed Air Capsules to Reduce Stress. Can't say bubble wrap. <laughs> showed, they cannot. Showed that, quote, subjects reported feeling significantly more energized 
less tired and more calm after popping the capsules. And (laughs) advantages of popping bubble wrap versus other methods of stress relief were that it involved minimum ability and essentially (laughs) no training or practice. (laughs) Training. (laughs) Just, I'm imagining like a government style scratchy film. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Step one. Repeat. (laughs) <laughs> Chris, I, I know you buy and sell a lot of stuff on eBay. Uh, oh, I do God. as well. I know you know the uh, the sort of joy of you get something and you open it up and it's got the clearly used many times before bubble wrap where like <laughs> three quarters of the bubbles are popped. It's really <laughs> yeah. it's really soft because it's been yellow. wrapped. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, there's usually yep. a piece of tape wrapped around one of the edges and you're like, yeah. all right, you're really pushing the limits of how much protection this can offer. It's, it's just like, it's just like you just, might as well just wrap it in saran wrap. It's really yeah. protective anymore. Yeah. It's a thin no. sheet of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time, I think maybe I was in high school, the first time I... I saw the air-filled pillow in a package. Yeah. And oh, I'm like, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. my gosh. This is the smartest invention, and it literally is just bagged air. My daughter oh, yeah, loves yeah, yeah, those. Sure. When I get, like, a box in the mail, and it's got, like, the strip, and she's all, hey, my little pillow! And she'll go, and she'll take it up, and, <laughs> and she makes, like, little pillows for her stuffed animals out of them. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. That's such a yeah. good use! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then when she's at daycare the next day, we, you know, put them in the <laughs> trash. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't worry, more are coming. <laughs> hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Good Job Brain, and this week we're talking about Crash. And this may seem a little bit unrelated, but um, did you guys know that Florida, the state, has the largest fresh tomato industry, as in Mm. they grow the most amount of tomatoes for us to to eat fresh really i I did not however however california love here california is number one in processed tomato production so there's a difference florida grows the most tomatoes that we eat like salsa you know that we cut put in our sandwiches but california grows the most what they call processing tomato they're tomatoes Mm -hmm. grown especially for canning, for paste, uh, okay. for sauce. Right. Yeah, it's like we talked about with uh, pumpkins on an episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. We think about like these, you know, gorgeous, you know, orange, colorful pumpkins. But then like the when you get canned pumpkin, it's from something that is not grown to be like perfectly bright orange and round. It, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's canned yeah. pumpkin. It's grown to taste really good when it's in a can. Yeah. Uh, so here's a story on August 29th of this year. Which is not that long ago. It was like weeks ago. August 29th at 5 a.m. Right outside Bay Area, Vacaville. Ah. A big rig transporting processing tomatoes collided with another vehicle. The truck lost control and crashed into that middle dividing wall on the freeway. And proceeded to spill 150,000 tomatoes onto the highway. Now, these tomatoes are still in tomato form, right? Yes, yes. They're they're taking a ride to go to a a cannery factory. Um, They're on their their merry way. I just want to say this first. No critical injuries. There there was a crash. (laughs) All right. But the tomato spill (laughs) did cause a four-car pileup. Just how much? is 150,000 tomatoes. It's estimated around 50,000 pounds. Oh my god. Just to give you an mm. idea of how much that is. Uh, I looked it up. That's a humpback whale. That's how much a humpback <laughs> whale weighs. <laughs> 
God, that is actually are, yeah. quite that's uh, quite vivid picture I have yeah. in my head. Now. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot it's a lot it's a of tomatoes. tomato humpback whale or an F15 Eagle fighter aircraft. <laughs> also right. yeah, yeah. quite a good mental image. I'm just picturing yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing like, you know, made out of tomatoes just like in the shape <laughs> yeah, like of a the, sand the, castle, the but it's like mm-hmm. tomatoes. That's right. That's right. Earlier the spill it, it literally looked like a ball pit. It was reported that parts of the highway was 2 feet high <laughs> with tomatoes. Oh no. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. This is when the tomatoes haven't been uh, uh, driven through yet. Um, This happened at 5 a.m., right at the start of rush hour. Oh, on man. one of the busiest freeway. This is the 80. Like, right. that's, yeah. that's that's a big freeway. It was really dangerous. I mean, any of these kind of truck spills can be very, very dangerous. Because, you know, you have to close off the lanes. The road conditions might change. Yeah, I, I feel like 50 pounds of tomatoes would be a is pretty a substantial hazard. Like, if I saw that on the road in front of me. Okay, first of all, tomatoes by themselves, they can roll, right? So they're kind of scattered and they just kind of roll and traverse, Mm. right? (laughs) Then all these cars in high speed, because it's a freeway, Mm. driving through them, squishing, Mm. releasing the liquid and and also the pulp, right? What they said was the skin. It was the skin that Uh, made the conditions really dangerous because it was super slick and slippery. Uh, If you think about like, yeah, the tomato skin sitting on top of the surface of the road, on top Top uh, of each other. In order to clean this up, they had uh, they had to like scoop the the pulp and the solids, pry off all the skins, and then <laughs> w- what's left is like the juice. You know, they might like hose it off, but it's still very very wet, and so they had to sprinkle like fine kitty litter, what a fuller's earth. <laughs> oh, right, right. right. The they had to crash another truck full of kitty litter on there. <laughs> <laughs> but not to be outdone, the very next day. In Memphis, Tennessee, a tractor trailer shipping jars of Bertoli Alfredo sauce <laughs> crashed into a median uh. wall, you know, in the in the center of a highway. And this is not like a tanker filled with sauce. It is jars of sauce. It is it is transporting. It's not like yeah, a big storage unit and a hose for Alfredo sauce. It's <laughs> the like Alfredo individual hose. jars. Just a lot of <laughs> jars of sauce, shattered glass and garlic cream across oh, lanes and this happened on Interstate 55. This this happened uh, you know, I guess luckily at like 5 p.m. around nighttime. However, it was like a really hot day. And so mixed in with the humidity of Tennessee, at first it was like, great, this smells like an olive garden. It's so like creamy and garlicky, but hot road, <laughs> uh, humidity, it just turned bad Cream. real quick. There is a website called truckspills.com that documents <laughs> weird things being spilled <laughs> off of trucks that, you know, maybe they, they crash into another car, maybe something happened or an accident, and it's just these <laughs> these big rigs on their side. <laughs> Here are some of the things documented on truckspills.com. Industrial amount of Smucker's jelly packets, you know, like the <laughs> jelly you get at hotels, the little yeah. strawberry yeah. jelly. The little, the little thing, yeah. Pallets of these jelly packets. Um, there was one truck that was transporting porta potties that uh, got into an accident. Oh, jeez! There's also a truck that spilled lottery tickets, and this is in Florida. Like <laughs> legit lottery tickets flew out. Oh no! People were grabbing them. <laughs> Florida had to cancel the lottery uh, huh? due oh, to gosh. the the tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But my favorite one is <laughs> one truck overturned and spilled marbles. It was transporting marbles. <laughs> glass marbles and it's just like this is something you see in a cartoon just literally a cartoon just the truck full of marbles spilling on the rotten hot dogs just anything and everything pretty much got spilled off of a a big truck the thing i want to i want people to take away is that you know this for me this really was a glimpse of like how we get our things 
Mm. Our marbles, sure. our Alfredo sauce, our jelly yeah. packets. You, where do you get your marbles? And you, where do you get your Alfredo? <laughs> where do you, yeah. I'll tell you where. <laughs> they have to be transported from somewhere to somewhere and then to you. And it's usually transported by human beings and drivers and truck drivers. So really like hats off to truck drivers. Thank you for shipping almost everything in our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Including the tomatoes for tomato sauce, jars of Alfredo sauce. So stay safe out there. I have done on the drive between the Bay Area and Los Angeles. Uh, there are a lot of produce and agricultural truckers there. I have seen trucks with tomatoes and I've occasionally seen, you know, a couple go over the side. Never seen 50,000 of them. One time I remember driving behind. It took me it took me a couple minutes to figure out what it was. I was driving behind some kind of truck. And the best thing I can describe it is it's almost like horizontal snow kind of coming back at me at my car off this truck. And I'm like, what the heck is this? What is, what is, is it feathers? Like, no, it's not feathers. Like, is it, is what it is like dust? No, it's not dust. Just like little kind of whitish sort of fluttery. What it was, was it was an onion truck. And it was the onion skins, paper. like just the little onion paper, just jostling and fluttering off the side. Yeah, just and it happened to be kind of a windy day traveling. And so I got out of the, the you know, the onion skin slipstream there. But it was very pretty, you know, for, for what it was. Yeah. So poetic. Yeah. yeah. Onion skins in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening and hope you learn stuff about Bubble roll, <laughs> bubble <laughs> capsule. Yeah, watch out! Watch out! Yeah. Wrap uh, the first car crash and portmanteau company names. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on all podcast apps, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like the Pirate History Podcast, Food with Mark Bittman and the Explorers podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.